For many years, the American Express Company has had the ad slogan, Membership Has Its Privileges. I know you've heard that. Uh, they've been using that slogan for many years to advertise their charge card. But they try to suggest to you that it's more than a charge card, you know. It has privileges. You'll be a member of this business if you have an American Express card and, and there are privileges associated with that. Uh, you can use your charge card to go places and buy things. And I suppose it is still true to some degree that the American Express card is recognized worldwide in many different countries. You can go and use their card. I don't know what other privileges they might have in mind, but I suppose that if you investigated, you'd find out that carrying this particular charge card has its privileges. What they don't always go on to explain, but I think everybody understands, is that having this charge card also carries with it certain responsibilities. You'd be expected to do certain things if you held the American Express charge card. One of the responsibilities is that you have to pay an annual fee to carry the American Express card. That's why a lot of us don't carry that because we're not going to pay to have a, a charge card in our pocket when we can get others that don't cost anything on an annual basis. But this would be a responsibility. Pay your annual dues to, to carry the American Express. Certainly it's understood that you'd have the responsibility of paying your bill when it comes due each month. That's a responsibility that is associated with the privileges of holding this credit card. Well, I want to take that notion this morning and apply it to the church. Church membership has its privileges, but it also has its responsibility. You know, if you stop to think about the church and the advantages of being a member of the Lord's church, we could and should spend time talking about the advantages, the privileges of membership. Now, there are a lot of them. Uh, for instance, uh, certainly the spiritual blessings that we have of forgiveness, uh, hope of heaven and eternity, uh, but even within the association of the church itself, there are the privileges of associating with the best people in any given communi community. Uh, there's the help that we get from our brethren when it comes to spiritual issues, and even physical needs are met because we have the church. Uh, and we are part of it. And if we get into a situation where there's a, a dire physical need, our, our, our brethren would step forward to help us with that. So church membership certainly has its privileges. But today, we want to concentrate on the second part of that. While church membership has its privileges, it has responsibilities. And we want to try to just remind ourselves of the responsibilities that are associated with being a part of the body of Christ, and in particular to be a part of a local congregation like this one, the responsibilities of church membership. We stop here just briefly to thank you for being present on this beautiful Lord's Day. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate everybody and the diligence that you've put forth to come this morning, uh, to, to be here as a source of encouragement to everybody else. That's not, that's not a matter to be taken lightly. You encourage us by being here. Thank you for coming. Thanks to any and all who are visiting with us today. And as always, we invite your questions and comments. Uh, if there's something we can help with in regards to your Bible study, 
If there's some other need that you have, please let us know how we can be of assistance. Thanks for being here today. What are some of the responsibilities of church membership? I'm not going to list these in any particular order. I'm not saying that any of these are prioritized as more important than others. So don't, don't assume that my list suggests that. But certainly one of the responsibilities that we have as members of the body of Christ, His church, is that we are to grow spiritually. Even on a congregational basis, this congregation is better if I'm a stronger Christian. This congregation is weaker if I'm a weak Christian. And so I have a responsibility as a member of the, of the church to strive to get better and better, to be stronger and stronger, to grow spiritually. In Ephesians chapter 4, which was read to us by Tyler earlier, in Ephesians 4 verse 16, it speaks of the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Notice, every joint supplies something. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. And so every joint, that, that would include me, right? That would include you, right? Uh, it talks about every part. Every part of the body has a function and a role to perform. We stop to think about our physical bodies. If some part, even a, what we might regard as a less a significant part of a body, if something about our body is not working as it should, the whole body suffers for that. Now, you, the body may be able to go on. It may be able to continue to function. But it's not, it's not working at peak efficiency if even just one part of the body, just one joint in the body, as this text refers, is not doing its job, then the whole body suffers. The body, the body does better when every part is working properly. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. And that's why we need to grow spiritually, get better and better. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's stated as a command. And, the, and so it's something we need to be working at. Do you consciously consider whether or not you're growing spiritually? Would you be able to evaluate yourself and look back and say, I really think I'm a stronger Christian now than I was five years ago, for instance. Maybe, maybe make it a longer period of time so you can maybe get some contrast. Do, do I feel like Right now, I have grown spiritually, and I'm better than I was a year ago or five years ago. It should be true because we're commanded to grow spiritually. And it's a responsibility we have. And when we do it, the church is made better by far. So we have a responsibility to be growing spiritually. We have a responsibility to serve to the best of our ability. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, Paul says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. Let each person exercise the gifts or abilities that they have. How are you doing that? You have a responsibility to be using your abilities the best you can in the service of the Lord. It's a responsibility you have as a member of the body of Christ. Sometimes we hear... People say, I, I just don't feel like I'm being used adequately. And what they usually mean by that is maybe they don't get to lead singing as often as they'd like to. Or maybe they're not being used to distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper as often as they would like. Maybe not call often 
for public prayers and that sort of thing. I really don't think that's what we have in mind here at all when we talk about using our abilities, exercising ourselves according to the gifts or abilities that have been given to us. Uh, certainly, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to be used in the public assemblies, but that's not the main thing, right? That's not the big deal. Uh, using our abilities in the service of the Lord goes way beyond that. And if you stop to think about it, it's my job to see that I'm being kept busy spiritually. It's my job to see that I'm working hard in the kingdom. A lot of times when people complain, I don't feel like I'm being used adequately. They suggest it's somebody else's job to put me to work. No, it's my job to be working. It's my job to be kept busy in service to God. And I need to be working to the best of my ability. It's a responsibility that we have as members of the body of Christ. We have the responsibility to set a good example in the community. We talk about this quite a bit. And I think it's so very important. Uh, It's not always the case. Christians do not always set a noble and worthy example in the community roundabout. And that's very hurtful. We've talked about that a number of times. But probably the worst thing that you can do is to have people aware of the fact that you're a member of this local congregation and then you be out in the world living sinfully and setting a horrible example. That's very hurtful. You have a responsibility to set a good example in the community. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Notice, we're to shine as lights in the world. There's, a, there's sort of a, a presumption that Christians would understand that to be so. Uh, we need to be shining as lights in the world. If we're not living properly, we're definitely not being lights. And actually, instead of illuminating what's good, we're actually detracting from what is good if we're not setting a proper example. Are you setting a shining example? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm just, I'm just so-so. I, I, maybe I'm not as good a person as, as I ought to be, but I'm not a really bad person either. That's not what this is saying. This is not saying be a mediocre citizen in the community. This is saying shine as lights in the world. It, it, it ought to be obvious. And people who associate you should be able to recognize that you are a servant of God and that you're living that way, that that's the guiding principle of your life. Set a good example in the community. I suggest that we have a responsibility in in the church to submit to others. And unfortunately, this sometimes becomes a huge problem in local churches. Uh, And we, we have all heard and unfortunately know of instances where churches will even divide because brethren get at odds with one another and they demand to have their own way. Uh, Opinions, petty issues sometimes divide whole congregations. The failure is that they're not submitting to one another. You help and I help this church when we submit to one another. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. We're to submit to one another. 
be clothed with humility. The, the very suggestion of those phrases, we would maybe if we we're just going to put it in common terms, is it, it doesn't have to be my way. It, uh, my opinion doesn't have to always be the one that gets followed. We're to be subject to one another and to be humble. You know, the proud person says, my way is right and it'll be my way or the highway. The humble person realizes it doesn't have to be his way. Now, understand, of course, we're, in, in this context, we're not talking about doctrinal matters. In doctrinal matters, it's not my way or your way either. It's the Lord's way, right? In, in matters of faith and doctrine, we have to follow the Lord's will. But in matters of judgment, as, as they are applied in our working together in the local congregation, we need to be humble. We, we need to be subject one to another. And it doesn't have to always be my way or else... Because that kind of a mindset hurts the church. And we have a responsibility to do differently. And in, in close conjunction with that, we have a responsibility to strive for peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, I want to emphasize the word strive, suggesting the idea that we have to work at it. Churches that are at peace don't stay at peace accidentally. Peace is something that we set as a priority, and we work for it. It's, it uh, we don't just assume it's going to be okay. We work, and, and when there's any threat to the peace of the church, we address it. We take steps to remedy any potential breach that might exist in the local congregation. Uh, again, unfortunately, we've all known of places where that's not the case. And, and, and we've even known some brethren who almost seem like they enjoy uh, having division and strife and controversy. That's, that's just wrong. We're, we're to work and strive for peace with our brothers and sisters. So uh, in, in the moment where peace may seem to be at jeopardy, what we want to do then is address that. Work to maintain peace. Ephesians 4 verse 1 I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so we, we've got to be willing to put forth the work that it takes to have peace in the local congregation. It's a responsibility. It's a job. It's an assignment we have. We need to watch out for the well-being of our brethren. We have a responsibility one to another in the church. Let me ask you a question, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody by asking this question, but it's, it's, it helps us in regards to evaluating where we stand here. Do you know all the members of this local congregation? You know, this is not an enormously large congregation. It's, it's not that difficult to know everybody, to know everybody by name, to know something about their life, their circumstances, their family, their, their work. Do you know everybody? Do you, do you know everybody by name? Do you know something about everybody? Are you aware of what's going on with them and how you could be of assistance to them in one way or another? You know, we have a responsibility to do that. And we need to be, how can I watch out for you if the fact of the matter is I don't even really know you? Uh, I'm, I barely know your name. Maybe I don't even know your name. How can I be watching out for you if I'm so unfamiliar with you? Uh, 
This speaks of the fact that we, we've got to develop and nurture relationships with one another so that we can be a help watching out for one another. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Notice the Hebrew writer suggests that there would be a daily interaction in this regard. The word exhort there in other translations is, is uh, translated encourage. And so there's an expectation that on a regular, not just once a week, uh, yeah, we go to church on Sunday morning. I see that guy. I'm not even sure what his name is. Is, it, is his name Joe or Tom? Oh, I can't remember for sure. How am I going to be exhorting or encouraging him on a regular, even daily basis? I don't even know his name. That can't be so. We have a responsibility in that regard, and we, and we need to be working at it. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted." I'm sad to say that it's always the case that a, a significant percentage of, of Christians do not do this. A significant percentage of Christians, if someone is in spiritual trouble, make no effort to reach out to restore the one who has fallen. And to the, to the extent that that is the case, it's a failure to fulfill responsibilities assigned to each one of us. You know, this is not a job for just a handful of the strongest members in a local congregation. This is a job that we all have to help restore those who have fallen spiritually. We have a responsibility. So, again, the, the concept I think we're developing here this morning is real easy. It's not a difficult notion, is it? Church membership has privileges. I want, the, I want those privileges. I want the benefits of church membership Am I willing to fulfill the responsibilities that are directly associated with them? You know, this business about watching out for the well-being of my brethren even goes to the extent of participating in any necessary disciplinary action. It's a sad thing, but it is necessarily true that sometimes a brother will fall, a brother or sister will fall away, and the church as sort of a last-ditch effort, we'll take the step of church discipline or withdrawing ourselves from someone. Always, and I hope we all, and I think we all do understand, that's always a step taken as, as an extreme effort to make that person realize what a terrible lost condition they are in. So we don't take it out of hatred or spite. We take it out of love and concern. It is necessary. I don't, I don't know how often I talk to brethren in other congregations. They say, we never do that. I can't remember a time when we ever did that. That's sad. That's really a sad thing. That churches are neglecting a straightforward command of the scriptures in that regard. But I tell you what does happen, even in churches where this necessary step of disciplinary action is engaged. Sometimes I've been told by members, not here, I'm not talking about here. But I've been told that members just say, "I'm not." I, they, they can do that if they want to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to have any part of that. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep associating with that person. That's that's not right. That's not fulfilling responsibilities. It's a direct violation of the commands of Scripture. 
if we love people and if it gets to that point, our love for them should say, I'm going to take this unpleasant step of disassociating socially from these people because I want to see them saved in eternity. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14. If any man obey not our word by this, apostle, uh, by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. That's just one of the passages among others in the New Testament that teach us about this certainly unpleasant, but unfortunately sometimes necessary step. And if I'm watching out for the well-being of my brethren, I'll even go to that extent if it's necessary to try and restore them. I have a responsibility to be simply in the assembly, to, to be present when the church meets. I told you when I started this list, this list is not in any particular order of priority, but you've got to put that somewhere on the list. Such a simple thing, but I have a responsibility to be faithful in attendance. It's so necessary. I hope we all realize, I'm sure that we do. Do you realize what happens when you're not here? When you're not here, you are missed. You know, sometimes people miss for legitimate reasons. We understand that. But even when people are are gone for some legitimate reason, it's still kind of discouraging to look to their normal spot and see that they're, oh, I know where they are. They're home with a sick child or... I know where they are. They're off on vacation, and I'm sure they're worshiping with some brethren in that vacation spot where they are uh, on this given time. But it's still you, know, you miss you miss something when somebody, even if you know that they have a a, a real legitimate reason for being gone. I want to tell you what's even far more hurtful is that someone, and you know that they they don't have a legitimate reason for why they're not there. Uh, they're just laying out. And I tell you, that's a great discouragement, isn't it? When you know brethren who just don't care to be present in the assemblies. It is a a dramatic failure to fulfill responsibilities just when you choose not to be here. We all know the text, Hebrews 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know that verse. I want, and and how often do we reference this verse? Just so often, right? But I want to link that with James 4, 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Someone says, if you were to go back, Hebrews 10, 25, does that apply to Sunday night? Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together. Does that apply to Wednesday night? Well, I don't, I don't even like the question. We know, when somebody says, where does it say I have to be there on Wednesday night? Well, obviously the word Wednesday is not even found in our Bibles. There's a, there's a decision been made that we benefit by being together on Wednesday night. It's a good thing. And for him that knows to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. If you can be here and you choose not to be here, there's something wrong with that. And in, uh, along with the theme of our lesson this morning, it's a dramatic failure to fulfill your responsibilities. You have that simple responsibility. That's not a hard thing. By the way, uh, of, of all the things we've mentioned on that list, I think that's probably the easiest thing. You know, it's not hard to be here. 
And it, actually, it's a pleasant and enjoyable experience to be here. And then I'm just going to add one more. And again, these are not in any order of priority. But as a member of the local body of Christ, you have a responsibility to support the congregation's work financially. Um, I, my, I'm thinking that everybody else ought to give generously. For me, I've got some other things I'm trying to take care of right now. And I'm going to let everybody else carry the weight financially because right now I'm trying to pay off some bills. Right now I'm trying to save some money for something that I want to get done. And so I'm just going to, I'm kind of expecting you all to carry the load because I'm not, right now I'm not prioritizing giving. It's not, it's not high up on my list. It's certainly not on my financial budget. It's not very high up on my financial budget right now. But I, but I do expect that you all will give generously because I think that there's some things that the church is trying to do that we want to see done. What, what, what do you think? How would you address someone who says that? That wouldn't work, would it? It's not just your job to, to be financially responsible to the needs of the country. It's my job too. It's all of our jobs, right? And you know the passages in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order or command to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered. It's not an option. It's a command. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 16. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for the, love, the Lord, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, all that we've ever said about giving is still the same. Are you giving? And, and in the process fulfilling your responsibility to the church. Do you evaluate your giving? Do you think about your status financially and adjust your giving accordingly? So you're making way more than you were making 10 years ago. Are you giving way more than you were given 10 years ago? And It all goes, doesn't it? As we've been prospered, as we've purposed in our heart, we're to give. And that's a responsibility that we all have as members of the local congregation. You could probably add to that list. I think there are probably some things that you might significantly add to that list. But those are some things that we just all need to be reminded of. That we have responsibility. We have great benefits by being members of a congregation like this. You know, when, when and all of us have the experience to do this from time to time, you go away and you're traveling maybe and you visit some congregation. How often when you visit another congregation... Do you think, man, I'm glad I get to be a member at College View. You should do that from time to time. Uh, It's a good exercise. I'm glad that I get to be here. There's privileges. There's benefits, great benefits. But don't forget that in association with those benefits, there are responsibilities, and we all need to be working to fulfill them. Thanks for listening. We hope this encouraged us all as we work together in this local body of Christ. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing the song... If you have some need that needs to be met spiritually, we'd be anxious to assist you. If that means initially obeying the gospel plan of salvation, please do that. If you need more information, say so. If you've never become a Christian through hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, being baptized, if you, if you have a need to do that and are ready to make that step, 
We'd be anxious to assist you. We'd be glad to study with you. If you're a Christian in need of the prayers of the saints, let us know how we can help while we stand and sing.